So, we have congratulations in order. We have a big week in store. We have a lot of unanswered questions. And I have a spoiler. I'm going to try not to tell you. But I don't know if I can do it. Watch the first episode of Game of Thrones last night. (laughs) Should see what happens at the end. Probably shouldn't tell you if you haven't seen the show. But I got that in my back pocket. Might come out at any time. I'll try not to. I don't want to be one of those people. But I know a secret. If you haven't seen the show. Actually, I didn't mind the show. I'll watch that show. I think I will watch more of it. I can see why people are excited about this thing. It's really well done. So, episode two tonight. Don't tell me. Don't tell me what happens. Don't tell me about that end thing. Don't tell me where that goes. Don't tell me that my favorite new character, I don't really have a favorite new character. I really like the one guy, but he died. So I don't, I guess I can't root for him anymore. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just kind of getting going. So please, no, no spoilers for episode two of season one of Game of Thrones. Go ahead and spoil whatever season they're on right now. I'm a long way away from that. I won't even know what you're talking about. Congratulations to Harry. And to Megan, do I have to call them Prince? Do I call do the Duke? I don't know what to do. I'm not very good at royal stuff. Not not entirely sure. Also, I don't believe this. No. Not even for a minute. Harry and Meghan Markle, so Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, Duke and Duchess of Sussex, right? The hard one to say. They have brought a brand new baby boy into the world, so congratulations. That's fantastic news. Baby's healthy, mom's doing great. I don't buy it. This didn't happen today. This happened last week, and good on them. I don't know if we'll ever find that out or what they'll do with the birthday, because people are going to be writing down May 6th, 2019, new baby, nameless, born. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there was a lot of talk that they wanted to just hang out without everybody else crowding in on what is a pretty special moment for a couple of parents and for a couple that's pretty newly wed. They wanted to enjoy this. So the baby was actually born last week, and they're just announcing it today. But they've had almost a week with their child. I hope that that's it. Because as much as people who have their faces in the public, and if you're part of the monarchy, that's just going to happen. But as much as they have their faces with the right there in public you got to be able to find some private time. And if this is what they've done, congratulations. I hope this is it, that you have been able to enjoy the first few days and no one has known a thing, and then you step up and say, oh, by the way, Michael Cohen, off to jail. He is going to the Otisville Correctional Facility. I hear the scrambled eggs there are fantastic. Michael Cohen has said that he has more to tell. What is this, JFK? You know what's going to disappoint me in the biggest of ways? If when he gets out, that more to tell is a book. Or that more to tell is a movie. Or some kind of docudrama. That's what's going to disappoint me in all of this. Because it's really going to show where our world is at this point. That's where we have gone to. The United States has a president who used to yell on a TV show, you're fired, and yet somehow he got in. And now we've got his ex-lawyer going to prison, and he says, oh, there's a lot more to tell, a lot more to tell. Okay, spill it. Oh, can't tell you yet. 
That's going to be fine if he comes out and has a news conference and then tells whatever it is he feels he has, which I don't know about you. If I was facing a prison term, I'd be telling the stuff. What is it? Does this put a threat on your life? Like I said, is it like a JFK thing? We have to wait till everyone's dead? Is that what it is? And even then it was, eh, no big deal. I mean, we know more about the JFK assassination. Maybe we don't know everything, but we know more than we used to. But, eh, wasn't wasn't that big a deal. Not not all that wild and crazy and, well, the government and this and... No, not really. But Michael Cohen says he has more to say. Please don't put this in a book. I won't read it. I'm not giving you a dime, and I don't even want a spoiler at that point. Just... Just say it. Just be a human being who's not concerned about the almighty dollar for once. That's all. That's all I want to see. And then we also have Emergency Preparedness Week that is kicking off. And you know what this does? This gives us all an opportunity. As much as you can say within your business, do you know how you would exit your business? Do you know what you would do, as we heard with Jacqueline LaBelle on the news just moments ago, Do you know what you would do if you had to be evacuated? Do you know what you would do if you couldn't be evacuated and you had to stay at work? All of those things, very, very important. But it also gives us an opportunity to kind of look around the house and say, hey, if there was a fire, do I know where I'd go? Do you know where your fastest exit is? And remember, you've got to have two. You want to do a drill if you have a young family. It's not a bad idea where... You set up everything that you're going to do. You set up your meeting place outside. And then when you run the drill, you put like a garbage bin in front of the door and say, yeah, you know that one you were going to use? Nope, not happening. You can't use it now. What are you going to do now? It's a great opportunity for everybody to kind of look at that and discuss it. We have a lot of things we're going to discuss on the show today. In a half hour from now, we'll learn more about Ramadan. Because it's underway, and I always like to appreciate things that you hear about, but don't necessarily know all about. You know what I mean? So we're going to learn more about Ramadan in about a half hour from now. We are also going to talk about cell phones and cell phone bills. Have you had to renew your cell phone plan recently? If you've had to do that, they keep inching things up. Oh yeah, well that plan? Yeah, that's not offered for that anymore. It's offered for $5 more. And then when you go back in a year and a half or two years or whatever, yeah, oh, that plan? That's an old plan. We can't offer you that plan. We have this plan that's, oh, don't worry, it's just $10 more. I'm getting fed up with that because we have four cell phones in our family, so they renew at different times. And over the last 18 months, we've now had three phones renewing for basically the same plan. Because I'm cheap. I go, okay, here's the phone. Show me the cheapest plan that we can have. And that plan used to be a total, would max out at like 50 bucks. And then it was, oh, no, no, no. We don't offer that one anymore for that price. It's $5 more. And then that became $10 more than that. And I'm pulling my hair out going, okay, well, can I change? Can I look around for something new? And I did look around for something new, and I found that everybody was basically the same. And that's not fair. We've been hearing that they're bringing out low-cost alternatives, and that should have been in place a year ago. And now there should be other low-cost data plans that were due to come out in April 2019. Well, since April 2019 just passed, in an hour from now, we will talk about what plans are out there. 
and what is happening on this landscape because Marie Aspiatsu is going to join us. She's a digital rights campaigner for open media. Can't wait to speak with Marie. Let's go to the phones and say a very early Monday hello to our friend Marilyn. Marilyn, how was your weekend? Well, it was quiet, dear, but it was, it was you know, I enjoyed it. Good. And I've got my daughter coming in 15 minutes, so that's why I thought I'd call you early. Okay. Well, they sent the wrong guy to jail. The wrong guy went to jail, and I'm I'm willing to bet you're referring to Michael Cohen, and I'm willing to bet we all have an idea as to what name you would put into the blank for guy who should have gone to jail. But, Marilyn, lay it on us. Okay. Trump. <laughs> Number one. And also, little Justin. Oh, yes? You'd put him in jail, too? Well, he's not really walking a straight line, is he? Well, I mean, neither one of them have anything sticking to them enough or have anything that you would say, okay, that's, that is worthy of prison time right there because it, it's, not, it's not sticking. I'm not saying there's anything to stick to either of them, but, you know, they're... they're yeah, I don't like you could make the argument down south. I don't know if you could make the same argument up north. Well, he, he certainly blackened himself. Well, he, talking about Trudeau. he is somebody who's going to have a lot to do between now and Election Day. That is well, for sure. This is it, too, and I'll be very sad to see Irene go, but I'll vote for her daughter. You know who I'm talking about, Irene Matthews? I certainly do. Oh, that woman is the most wonderful person. She is a very wonderful person. Oh, she has sent me letters that she has written herself. With her signature on the bottom, not not a form letter with a stamp signature that she has written herself. And uh, I've almost got them framed. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> well, Marilyn, I am glad to know that. You enjoy the time with your daughter. Thank you for the call this afternoon. We'll talk again. And remember your mother and your wife. And look, at I got a, an idea about your wife. What to give her? Oh, really? Because I don't. Marilyn, okay, I need that help. Okay. Woof! Well, I, 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 was that was that a tweet in the background? No, was that was that a meow? Was that yeah? Was did I hear a moo of some kind? A bark. All right, you've you've hinted. I'll I'll try and figure out what that is. Oh, you know what it is, Marilyn. You have a great afternoon. You too, dear. <laughs> bye bye. Uh, Marilyn's my favorite. Is that okay? That's good. I love talking with Marilyn. Uh, we have ourselves uh, an opportunity to talk a little bit about what's happening in the fintech world. We'll see if we get to that in just a couple of minutes. But as the phone rings, back to the phone we go. Bob, your Bruins need a win tonight. Yeah, Mike, uh, we need a win. I'll tell you what, though, man. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I don't know how long it's been that I've watched. I'm sitting there watching my Bruins play. I can't just sit back in the chair and relax. I got to be sitting at the edge, and uh, they're getting lucky. I mean, Rask is holding them in. Uh, uh, to me, anyways, maybe I'm more critical of my team, like most people are of their teams. But my God, it's like, can you guys just play a full sixty and get this thing done in a in a, in a confident fashion? Because coughing up two goal leads and 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 wow, puck turnovers, man, like stuff like it's that. It's a dangerous game to play. You're absolutely right. Okay, are you talking? Are you calling in about Cohen? Yeah, you know, I got. I got to tell you, I've been listening a little bit today on the news. I call him going to jail, and 
some of what he said. And, uh, you know, I, I just got to laugh a little bit. Like, uh, and, and, you know, the, the people already got the wrong guy. Oh, no, wait a minute here. Wait, whoa, whoa, let's back it up. Cohen is a slime ball, all right? The, guy, the guy's greasy. He, he, you know, he always has been, I think, to some degree. Uh, he flip-flops, uh, tried to save his own tail, and it backfired on him, right? And then, and then we have so the other side of the coin where you got a two-and-a-half-year investigation on an individual a sitting president, which was a coup. We're going to get to the bottom of that. It's it's a coup. It's it's actually treasonous what what the Democrats were doing, and that's going to come up with the FISA court warrants, right? And the Fusion GPS and the Steele's dossier. That oh yeah, Mr. William Barr is going to investigate that. So I would, if I was on the other side, I'd be lawyering up like Hillary Clinton and Obama and James Comey and people like that. Uh, so here we got here we got one of the biggest investigations in the history of American politics on a president. Two and a half years, Mueller, a guy that the Democrats wanted in there because they thought that was their guy, he was going to do a thorough job, and he did, and they got nothing on the guy. So they got, so they, uh, they got definitely no collusion. The obstruction has been settled by William Barr because Comey, or not Comey, Mueller didn't have the kahunas to make a decision one way or another. To and 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 then uh, Mueller says he didn't exonerate. Well, it's not up to an investigating attorney in the government to exonerate anybody, okay? That's not what his job is. His job is to, what's the evidence? What did you find? Guilty or innocent? Can't make your decision? Hand it over to the people to, to look it over and charge the Attorney General. Him and Rosenstein, who was working with Mueller, both agreed there's nothing there. It's over, folks. Let it go. There never was anything. But this then, then you've got sham. things like Barr, the attorney general, does not show up, and that I mean, it just it it piles on the intrigue. So, but Mike, he doesn't have to show up by law. He didn't have to show up in the. But first in a case hearing. like this, you've got to realize what the optics are, and his face needed to be there, and his butt needed to be in that no. seat. Yes, no. it did. No, you know what? Yes, Mike? it did. Okay, here, here's something interesting. Here, optics, here's, optics, optics. Okay, but I, let me, one more thing. Okay. This, this is what really blew me away. And you probably didn't hear anything about it because the mainstream media, again, won't tell you about it, okay? They'll love to hide this stuff. Okay, so, so William Barr, uh, uh, Nadler has been going on on the Democratic side, Nadler, Congress and Nadler, going on for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now, uh, that he wanted a completely unredacted copy. So William Barr, in a room, puts a completely 100% unredacted copy of the Mueller report there. And he says to every congressperson on both sides of the aisle, you have, a, you have an opportunity to come in. You can't take it with you, but you can come in and review that as long as you want. Sit there and read all 400 and something pages of it. You know who showed up? Two people. You know who those two people were? Two Republican congresspersons. Now, one Democrat. Now, now where, one, where is this being reported from? Because you're saying this like you were in the room. It's being it's being reported from other news sources. Like it's a fact, Mike. Okay, but okay. I can't call it a fact. I haven't seen it as a fact, okay. and I wasn't in the room, so I can't call if it. You a listen, fact. okay, Mark Levine. If you listen to Mark Levine, it's reported through him. Okay. He, it's a factual. Mark Levine, uh, Rush Limbaugh's talked about it. Uh, Fox News has talked about it. Um, well, many, there, many. There and you're, you're naming things that are yeah. on the other side of the ledger. Remember, you're naming things that are all on the other yeah. side of the well, ledger. Well, well, but Mike, and usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. It, no, it's an actual fact. William Barr has 
put an unredacted copy in a room to be reviewed by anybody who wishes to sit there. And you know why the Democrats aren't showing up? Because they damn well know, Mike, that there's nothing in there. But they just want to go on their delusional concept that there is something. This whole thing is over. It's done with. There's no collusion. People got to get it in their heads. Are we going to go on for the next 55 years thinking that 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 uh, a two and a half year intense investigation missed something? Like that, that's an insane way to go through life. It's over. It's like when the winning goal's in in the seventh game, your team lost. You can't blame the refs, Mike, for 15 years later saying we lost it because of the refs. You know, like so. Let's move on and get to the bottom of it. And the bottom of it is that this whole thing was a setup. It was a attempt as a coup. I look forward to the proof coming people. out on that, Bob. Right. We got to move on. Thanks it's so much coming, for the call. Mike. Get the popcorn, bro. It's going to be interesting. Look forward to it. Take care. <laughs> All right. <talk laughs> Bye. To you later. Michael Cohen reports to Otisville today, off to prison, ex-Donald Trump lawyer, and that has sprouted a bit of conversation. You want to weigh in, you can, 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. Cohen says he has more. I smell a book. This is Global News Radio, 980cfpl. Coming up in less than an hour from now, about 40 minutes, we will be talking cell phone plans. Weren't we supposed to see things get cheaper, more affordable? You can look at certain countries around the world and you can see that they get out of the way of this stuff. We've we've got a different situation here. We pay a lot when it comes to cell phone plans. And we're getting toward that point where cell phones are a bit of an essential service. Everybody's got one. So it's kind of like putting a roof over your head. It's an essential thing. How should that be dealt with? We're seeing rents rise. How should that be dealt with? You need to look at essential services and say, okay, some of these things have to have a cap on them. And I'd love to see somebody bring that in. Because as much as it's, yeah, you know what? We have ourselves private enterprise. Go to it. I can appreciate that. Supply and demand works out fine. But there are certain things. Certain things that deserve caps. We're not necessarily going to talk caps, but we'll get a lay of the landscape in 45 minutes on what that is all about. We were talking last week about speed limits being increased perhaps to 120 kilometers an hour on the 400 series highways. Over the weekend, I did a little more digging into what happened in B.C. because we talked about B.C. Now, this this data kind of goes along one vein, and then you've got data that comes from Europe. In Europe, essentially, the most common speed limits are 120 and 130 kilometers an hour. And then, of course, along the Autobahn, there is no maximum. And we've had people who've said, I think Bob, actually, who we just spoke with, said he had traveled along the Autobahn. And, you know, you've got the people who who know the flow of traffic, but it can be a little unnerving to get used to it. So 120 and 130 in Europe, that's just what they do. In B.C., they raised limits along divided highways, some of them, to 120 kilometers an hour, and they have pulled that back a little bit. And one of the things that B.C. Transportation Minister Claire Trevina noticed was what was called an alarming increase in serious collisions. And then you've got others who've looked at this and said, do you realize that the odds of surviving a crash that you are in at 120 kilometers an hour? Virtually zero. University of British Columbia, uh, I think it's at Kelowna. I think their, their campus is in Kelowna. They did a study on this. 
and or at least the, the UBC campus that did the study is in Kelowna, and they had said basically 120 kilometers and above. Yeah, forget it. You you have no chance of surviving that. Now, I'm sure we can find an exception or two, but if that's something that we are planning to do, and then you've got another angle on this, which says that 120 kilometers an hour is basically the de facto speed limit already, so it wouldn't be changing much there. I still want to see the government's goal in behind this, because nobody does anything without it actually having some kind of end result that they're looking for. And I don't think that's been spelled out at all, other than, as Sarnia Mayor Mike Bradley said on London Live last week, we've got a government that's very good at distraction things. They give us something to talk about on talk radio, and then jurisdiction and uh, all kinds of uh, little bureaucratic notes and administrative stuff. That's the stuff that they want to change, but they give us big, boisterous things to chew on. And we'll still look at talking jurisdiction, but it's it's difficult And this was kind of requested by Bob last week. Talk about jurisdiction. Talk about administration. It's hard to put into a five to ten minute interview nutshell. And maybe that's something that this government has figured out. Let's take a break. We've got news coming up next. And then Ramadan has begun. And I always like finding out things. When When you hear Ramadan, what do you think about? Well, I know that it's it's a period of fasting, is it? We're going to get exactly what plays out during Ramadan in just a moment. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. couple of emails to get caught up on. You can email anytime and anything to mike at 980cfpl.ca. Bob was talking about the fact that you can't have a puck go into a net in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals and then blame the referee. Brett Hall told the crease. Uh, but Andy has emailed in saying, no, Bob is wrong. I still blame Kerry Fraser for the Flames losing the 0-4 Stanley Cup. I think it was Kerry Fraser working the game when the puck went off the skate of Martin Jelena and the Flames should have won the game. They called it kicked in and Tampa Bay came back and won that one. I think that's I think that's what it was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. We're going to talk later about the Kentucky Derby. You want blame to go around. You want to talk about whether or not instant replay should be used. I don't know if you saw the Kentucky Derby. Check out any kind of highlight because you had the winning horse, maximum security, disqualified because they were able to rule that the horse on instant replay, and this replay took out forever, they were able to rule that the horse moved over a lane that it should not have and it impeded another horse, which then impeded the horse that ultimately won. So... Now we've got an appeal being launched, and maximum security is not going to run in the Preakness. This is a big old mess in horse racing. And also another email that's come in from Terry saying, I second Maryland's barking. Get your wife a dog for Mother's Day. Okay, very quickly on this. The the reason we don't have a dog right now is our family's getting older Uh, One has moved out. The other will be moving out. Here's my latest argument, and I've had many over the years, as to why not to get a dog. If we downsize, what if we downsize into a nice condo or apartment in downtown London? That would be an ultimate. I would love to do that. I cannot wait to move downtown London. Looking forward to that. If we have a dog, I don't think we can do that. 
So that's my latest argument. And I don't want to stay where we are for another 13 to 15 years, the lifespan of the dog. So there's the latest argument for not getting a dog. Let's take a break. And if you can refute that one, I got many more. I don't want a dog. We're going to take a break up next. Ramadan is underway. And I don't know that that we truly appreciate what this is about. And I like this this period that even if you are not someone who is going to observe Ramadan because you have a different faith from the Muslim faith, there is a part of this that I think helps anyone, even if you do not have a faith whatsoever. And we'll get into that next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. As people decked out in UK Union Jack flags, surrounded by champagne, you really have to see a picture that is on 980cfpl.ca right now. I want to see who ended up taking it, if we can give credit. No, they don't have a, a photo credit for it. But you've got two people who are wrapped up champagne all over the place. They have pins on their hats. They're very excited. We have the birth of a baby boy for the monarchy. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, still hard to say, giving birth to a baby boy. I still think it happened last week, so we could have been celebrating all the way along. doesn't matter. They are marking this as a major observance for years to come. With all these children within the monarchy, how do you remember birthdays? I can barely keep tabs on birthdays of my own family. How are we supposed to add in all the? You need a great big calendar on the wall with all these people. So I don't know whether this one is credited to May the 6th of 2019. We'll find that out at a later date. While we're talking observances or observances, let's get to Ramadan because that is now underway. And it's something that you may or may not know a lot about. If you are part of the Muslim faith, you'll know a lot about it. But it gives an opportunity that I think all of us need as kind of a little tap on the shoulder each and every year. Joining us to describe a little bit more about Ramadan and what is happening in 2019 is Sahar Zamo, who is a member of the board of directors of the London Muslim Mosque. Sahar, how are things? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. When you are referring to Ramadan, we have so many observances around the calendar year that we end up saying happy for, but this may not be one. Is there a a way to greet someone during Ramadan that is different from any other time? So usually we say Ramadan Kareem or Ramadan Mubarak, which just means um, happy Ramadan or a blessed Ramadan. Um, so really anything that is, um, you know, is, is kind and anything that um, you're wishing someone a blessed Ramadan, regardless of the language, you know, people can, can sense the sincerity regardless of the language, it's, it's fine to say. But the most popular ones are probably either Ramadan Kareem or blessed blessed Ramadan, have a blessed Ramadan. <laughs> and that would be Ramadan Mubarak. Exactly, yeah, or Ramadan Mubarak. Okay, excellent. Look what we've yeah. learned already. Well, can you kind of take us through how the observance works? Because it is something that moves around the calendar. What creates that? Yeah, so um, the Islamic calendar follows the lunar um, the lunar calendar, and so Ramadan is the ninth month within the 
the lunar calendar, just like the calendar that we use from January to December, the, the ninth month is September. Um, the lunar calendar, the ninth month is Ramadan. So because it, it's different, every year we observe Ramadan uh, 10 or 11 days earlier. Um, so Ramadan started yes, uh, today, actually, uh, with our nightly prayers that started yesterday. And um, we began our fast at uh, about 4.40 this morning, and that entails refraining from eating and drinking until um, sunset, which is at about 8.30. But it's not just about refraining from eating and drinking. It's also about you know, doing good deeds and refraining from doing bad deeds. Um, it's a time of getting closer to God, uh, self-reflecting, um, improving yourself, and, and just overall recharging your spiritual battery. So over the years, Ramadan may be observed in, in different months in terms of May versus June versus July, um, but for Muslims, we see it every year in terms of the lunar calendar. We're talking with Sahar Zumal, who is a member of the board of directors at the London Muslim Mosque, as Ramadan is underway, and we're just learning more about it, and we'll get to some of the, the events that are taking place for Ramadan at the London Muslim Mosque in just a couple of minutes. There is the fast component to it. How does that work? Yeah, so the fasting, um, we stop eating from... Um, sunrise or about 4.40 in the morning, and then we eat again or we break our fast at sunset, which is around 8.30 at this time of the year. And um, basically during that time of fasting, it's a time where you want to um, be self-reflecting, be, um, be in a heightened state of spirituality. It's a state of worship. You want to be doing a lot of um, charity work, a lot of good deeds overall. Um, and then we break our fast usually with friends and family. Um, it could be at the mosque. It could be at home. It could be at a restaurant. There's lots of restaurants that accommodate the fasting period now. Um, so that's, that's generally a day of fasting. Um, so most people know it as a day of refraining from eating, but it's also a day of uh, increased worship, prayers, um, you know, mending ties with families, giving charity, improving on relationships between family and friends, and so on. I think we all need that. I mean, you take a look at what this provides you the opportunity to do. So let's say you haven't called somebody in a while, or you just haven't talked with them in a while. This motivates you to do something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a recharge. You know, we should be improving on ourselves on a daily basis throughout the whole year, but this is almost like a, a yearly reminder. And it's a, it's, a, it's a long month reminder. So in terms of, you know, goal settings and um, really making habits stick, it's a good period of time to really improve on yourself and really reach out to people. Is it a period of days that Ramadan lasts? Yeah, so it's about, it's, it's a whole month. So it's, you know, anywhere from 29 to 30 days. Um, so it's a whole month of this, you know, intense state of worship and, and improving yourself and good deeds. 
We are talking right now about Ramadan, which got underway last night with Sahar Zimo, who is a member of the board of directors with the London Muslim Mosque. Sahar, before we let you go, and thank you for the education on this, what sorts of things are happening at London Muslim Mosque over the period of Ramadan? Of course. So um, preparing for Ramadan, we had uh, several workshops, um, a lot for the Muslim community on how to observe a healthy uh, Ramadan um, but also we invited a lot of our non-Muslim community members and neighbors about Ramadan. Uh, we, we had a Ramadan 101 session, for example, explained, you know, what to expect with Muslim coworkers and, and friends and so on. Um, during the month, um, we have nightly iftars at the mosque, which is a breaking of the fast. And um, that's especially for students and singles or people that don't have family here in London, that don't have uh, people to break fast with. So that's on a nightly basis at the mosque. Um, and it's free for everyone to um, attend. And then we also have nightly prayers, uh, which we call tarawih at the mosque. Um, and this year, we're, we're happy to be providing several different locations for these nightly prayers. They happen at around 1030. Um, and in addition to the mosque location on Oxford, we have them within um, community neighborhoods. So at the Bostwick YMCA, for example, if you're in the, the Westmount area. And then we also have um, a prayer that's being held at St. Andre Bessette Catholic School, if you're in the North area, um, as well as many other prayer locations. Um, if you want a list of all our events, um, our website will have a really good list as well as our Facebook page. So that's London Mosque. Um, or our Facebook page at London um, Muslim Mosque. Sahar, thank you so much for everything. Ramadan Kareem. Ramadan Kareem to you too, and thank you so much for having me, Mike. Sahar Zimol, part of the Board of Directors, London Muslim Mosque. little education for anyone who is not observing Ramadan. The May 6th to May 10th week, which we have just kicked off, is actually Education Week. And, you know, education might be one of the more volatile areas of our province right now. want to touch on something when we return regarding some of the concerns already being expressed and why the government can't just come in with a chopping block when it comes to education. We're going to hurt ourselves, and not just because we will see job action, which unless something drastic changes, we're going to see. But why you just can't come in with a big chopping block? Why we're doing ourselves such a disservice if that's what happens? That's next on London Live. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. I just checked... I don't see a report yet. There's one being released today that I'm very interested to look at, and we'll probably talk more about tomorrow. It's coming out courtesy of the Ontario Student Trustees Association. This is the start of Education Week, and it's simply a week where education gets highlighted. What is being highlighted this time around? Concerns. A lot of concerns. The Ontario Student Trustees Association says it advocates for all of the province students or the the students in the province and so we're looking at like two million roughly students in the province i mean advocating for a four-year-old who's just starting school is a little bit different than having a group of high school students saying this isn't working out and advocating for them obviously but they basically want to be a voice 
for students in the province. What are their concerns as we look forward? Well, their concerns are class size. Their concerns are mandatory e-learning, things like this. We've heard these trickles of things. And, you know, we talk about the Ontario government making changes, which I still believe are necessary, but you've, you've got to tread so lightly. And we won't know what works and what doesn't until you can look back at it. We may have a hindsight government where maybe they've been voted out after the next provincial election, and then you look back and you go, you know, the stuff that they started, that actually, that's that's not too bad. Now, as Bob and Andy have talked about, going back in time because of a blown call by a referee, uh, eventually the statute of limitations is gone, kind of seconds after what takes place. But in this, we may have a hindsight government where we look back and go, they were on to something. They really were. And things started to turn around, but we booted them before that happened. I could see that happening in Ontario. Education is one of the most volatile spots right now. I really believe that. And as much as you can say, well, we need to save here and do this, there is nothing more important than the training of a new human being. That's why parenting is so important. That's why teachers are so important. And the training of a new human being is not something that should be compromised by saying, yeah, you know what, we need more e-learning because they have to get used to doing that. No, no. Have you ever had your child or have you ever known a child or have you yourself ever taken an online course? How different is it from being in a classroom? It's a lot different. And you don't get as much out of it. If you have a good teacher, and I mean top, 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 they make such an impact on a student that that lives with them forever. That guides them in their life. They can go back to things they learned from that individual and always call on them for the rest of their life. And usually you're lucky enough to have more than one of those in your education career. I wish you had one every year. You know, I'm... It doesn't happen that way, but you have some that you truly bond with, that you truly mesh with, and it's a beautiful thing. And in this case, if we are looking at growing class sizes, that's, you know, if you say, oh, well, it's just a couple of students. Yeah, but then that is a couple more things that need to be marked. That's more minutes out of the day. That's less preparation time. That's all of those things. E-learning, I don't even want to see this. I mean, it scares me to, to see that brought in. There are, there are problems with the education system. I'll be the first one to say that. I don't think high school is hard enough, first off. And I don't say that by the material. The material is very hard. But the way that people are let off the hook, that's not the way life works. So that's a problem. I'm not saying that the education system is problem-free, because it isn't. Nothing is. But in making some of these changes, you are ultimately hurting the students, and if we look at what is coming down the pipe, we've already got talk of work to rule, perhaps strike. This We're going to see this stuff happen because I don't see the government budging on this. And I certainly don't see the teachers union budging on this or unions budging on this. So if that's the case, then here's what I'm most concerned about, that eventually you pull back. Because every time we see a strike, a little something is lost. You don't have as many teachers who are willing to participate in extracurriculars. You know, it's not mandatory, and some choose not to entirely. Uh, usually a handful of them handle the load. And a lot of times, they're the teachers you bond with. They're the teachers you mesh with, 
They're the teachers you wish you could clone and spread throughout the rest of the profession. And if they have to claw back in a work to rule, I, I worry about the day when extracurriculars just no longer exist. Look at what's happened to music programs. Bands don't exist to the same extent that they used to. Uh, athletics are still there, but at the same time, we have some schools that have had to bring in what you would call civilian coaches, and then you just have a teacher who's willing to be there. Sometimes I think you don't even have that. So we're heading to a point where all of that stuff that makes education so critical, the one-on-one, human-on-human, or even the human in a classroom, that's that's being either compromised or placed at risk. And that's a big concern. So I'm eager to read this report that should be out at some point today if it isn't already. I just checked and I couldn't find it. Ontario Student Trustees Association is putting it out. Because here's the, the way to think of it. Now that we have Google, do you say to your child when they have a problem, well, you, well does it, leave me alone. Just go Google that. I would highly doubt it. But with e-learning, that's the kind of tangent you're on. And that's not the right tangent to be on. So we'll talk more about this tomorrow. The Ontario Student Trustees Association. If you want to Google and look for the report later on, do out today. Next up, we have news. This is London Live, and you're listening to Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. How's your cell phone bill doing? We heard... Back in February, we were going to see more options for cell phone bills. Have we seen that? Have you tried to renew a cell phone bill anytime recently? The options just seem to be, well, if you pay $5 more, you can have what you've had before. Well, if you pay $10 more, you can have what you've been having. So can we have $10 more? Yeah, I'd, I'd like my, my plan that I have now. Oh, yeah, we'd really like to give that one to you. Unfortunately, it no longer exists. It's this one. This is the plan. It's $5 more or it's $10 more. And it's not 5 and $10 more a year. It's 5 and $10 more a month. And that becomes a bit of a challenge if every time you go, you get bumped up. It happens in a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's the latest part of capitalism, right? How much more can we get out of them? If we could just get 30 cents more out of every one of our customers, then we could increase our profit margins astronomically. That's one of those things that that happens. So if we could just, let's, let's set it that they get used to just paying $5 more. You know, you'll get it from your cable provider if you still have a cable provider. Here's a letter that says, we're going to increase... Your cost per month by, let's say, $5. It's only $5. Yeah, but but you increased it before. Yes, well, due to this, that, and any old reason we can come up with, we have to do it. And then they went for a little while that they weren't increasing it by $5. It was more like $4.16. It's just $4.16. And we'll throw in a whole whack of things that you don't need that cost us nothing to provide. That was kind of the way it was going. A cell phone, let's face it, is becoming an essential service. It is. It's one of those things that some people will say, I don't have one. Okay, that's that's great if you live life without one. But I don't know. When, when you get one and you put it in your pocket or you put it in your purse or you put it in your purse or whatever you're carrying your cell phone in and you wander around 
And you can just answer a phone wherever you are. Or you can, it's now not just a phone, it's a little computer. You can access this little computer wherever you need to. You get things done right away. You never forget to do things when you have a cell phone. You never, oh, yeah, I was supposed to call them. You never forget to do that because it's right there in your hand. I didn't forget to call them. I had it in my hand, so I called them. It's becoming an essential service. And yet the cost of having one has grown in a huge way. So joining us right now is someone who can help us to understand the cell phone landscape a little better. Marie Aspiatu is the digital rights campaigner for Open Media, and we're very lucky to have her on London Live. Marie, how are things? Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. Um, things are pretty good, but I'm still a bit frustrated with the situation here in Canada and our scenarily high cell phone prices, you know? Exactly. I'm pretty frustrated, too. I'm trying to renew a cell phone plan, and I'm being told I can't have my old plan, and the same plan is basically going to cost me about 15 bucks more a month. I mean, is that a regular occurrence these days? Probably, especially if you're not bringing your own your own device. That's often the case, right? That you'll try to get like a, a new device with your cell phone provider, but then they tell you that you can't have your same plan just because you were bringing your own device. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. That's I've a heard classic that one. one. Oh, now, yeah. A year ago, Marie, we heard that we were going to see a change in the landscape, that we were going to see some lower cost options. Here we are about a year later. Has anything like that materialized that you can uncover? Um, well, I mean, yeah, the the low-cost data plans that the CRTC mandated from big telecom have materialized themselves um, April 2019. Um, but I don't think these plans really make the cut, you know, like uh, $30 for a gigabyte isn't exactly affordable, especially when you look at other countries like Australia, where you also have like a big land mass and population. They're, they're paying... Thirty dollars for five gigabytes. So we're pretty we're getting the raw end of the stick here, um, and I don't think these low low cost data plans uh, really serve the needs of uh, Canadians, especially low income individuals. Exactly, and like you say, that's if you're bringing along your own phone, and these phones keep exactly. getting updated, and the updates wind up making them work slower. So then you have to get a new phone, and the phone companies are are pushing you into their new products over and over again. They don't exactly have a long life to them, it seems. So Not at all. then you're left with, okay, well then I need a new. Phone phone okay well that'll be seven hundred dollars or don't worry you can put it on a tab but that'll be 15 bucks a month and next thing you know that thirty dollars is a whole lot more than thirty dollars so how does canada stack up if we start to look globally are we trailing a lot of countries in terms of what we provide via cell phone canada is one of the most expensive countries in in terms of uh cell phone prices and we're actually doing very poorly because the high cost of having a cell phone here in Canada and the high cost of the data is resulting in people that if they can subscribe to a cell phone plan at all. So we're actually one of the lowest um, in terms of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. 
So is that just something that, hey, we are and it's going to remain that way? Do we have any hope? Because it would sound like a year ago when the CRTC mandated that we see some low-cost plans come forward, that that would be the opportunity to change. And what you're telling us is it's still tough for people who are considered maybe low income or who don't necessarily have the uh, the money to shell out 50 and $60 a month on a phone. They're, they're still not where they want to be. Exactly. So the thing is with the low cost data plans is that piecemeal approach and that is and that is not the solution to a much wider systemic problem that we have and which is that we don't have enough competition. So if we really want to see a change, uh we need more competition to the market. Uh and luckily the CRTC is uh is doing a review of our wireless market at the moment. Um and it will go until the next year. Uh, so this might be an actual opportunity for us to see lower prices come into the market because mandating the big telecoms to put out uh, low-cost data plans isn't really going to fix such a big issue, you know? We're talking with Marie Aspiatu, who is a digital rights campaigner for Open Media, and we are talking about cell phones, and I, you know what? I think we just lost... You know what's strange? We did just lose Marie. We'll try and get her back... We weren't talking with her on a cell phone. If you were listening to the crackle in her phone and thinking, here's someone talking about cell phones. What kind of cell phone is she using? We were actually calling her on a landline. So that was not a cell phone. That's how strange that is. But here's what Marie has said so far, if you're just joining us. A year ago, you had the CRTC say, we need to have lower cost plans so you're not getting as much as other countries are for the amount that you're spending. And a lot of times those lower cost plans, they require you to bring your own phone, BYOP. And if you don't, then you are going to wind up paying tab charges. And if you do, well, then you've had to buy a $700 phone or a $600 phone or whatever it is. Or you wind up bringing an older phone in that doesn't work properly. You know, you you may be able to call on it. If you use your cell phone just as a phone... No problem. If you use your cell phone as the computer that it is, if it's a smartphone, then it's different. I mean, how how much do we require in terms of being being I guess looking at at phones as being essential? How much should we should it be okay, you're you're able to have something and call because right now that can be very very affordable. That can be very cheap per month. But is it that just we're just being spoiled into well now you've got a computer in your pocket you should be able to email and surf the net oh and if you aren't in wireless range you should have data so you should have the ability to make use of that as well i mean where where do we sit do you find that you get a a good amount of stuff for the money that you spend on your cell phone are you happy with your plan are you happy with what you're able to do Let's open up the phones on that as we attempt to get Marie back. 519-643-2222. Or do you look and say, yeah, something needs to be done about this. More rules need to be brought in on this. 519-643-2222. Back with that and hopefully more with Marie when we return on London Live and Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We're talking cell phone plans. You getting what you feel you should be? You keep seeing it tick up and up and up. 519-643-2222. We will return with Marie Aspiazu in just a moment. James, you wanted to get a thought in on this. 
Yeah, um, so the way I do it, and I'm a, I'm a software developer, so I'm like always near a Wi-Fi connection. And, I mean, the only time I'm not near a Wi-Fi connection is when I'm driving, and then I'm not supposed to be touching my cell phone anyways. <laughs> so, actually, I got SpeakOut, and uh, they last year I spent $75 on service, and I bought a used uh, cell phone that uh, that's pretty good, actually, a Galaxy Prime. And uh, that was $60. So, I mean, for about 135 bucks, I think. Is that what it works out to? Anyways, that's how much I spent last year. And uh, my cell phone still works. And actually, uh, I actually spent $100 on, on service, but $25 uh, of it was cut off uh, when it relapses over a year. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize they actually carry that over, so I got that $25 back. Hey. I mean... Now, but you are unable to make calls unless you're within Wi-Fi range. Is that it? Well, I can still make calls. I can still get, especially for emergencies, like if, if I'm on the road and someone texts me or if I need to pull over and make a call for emergencies, but it costs me like 75 cents a minute or something. Gotcha. But like I mean, that's, a, that's an emergency situation that wouldn't come up very much. Right, exactly. So, I mean, for, for the, the six to $1,200 that, that I would pay for service, it's not worth it to me. And if a lot more people started doing it the way I did it, I mean, they would be crawling back to us like Napster and the music, you know, when they, when they started cutting out, uh, selling CDs for $25. You right. Know? Well said. James, thanks for the call. Thanks. Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. That is one way to go. Could you do it? Probably. I mean, if we had, if we had guaranteed Wi-Fi everywhere we went, if we had hotspots in more places than we do, that's probably an option. And more and more cities are getting to that point. Are they reliable? Well, that's the other thing. We want convenience. We are rejoined by Marie Aspianzu, who is the digital rights campaigner for Open Media. As Marie, sorry, we, we ended up getting cut off just a few minutes ago, but I just wanted to continue our conversation looking at what we should be either requesting or, or what would be something decent to ask for from cell phone providers. Where do you think we lie in that? I honestly think like our first request would be unlimited data plans in Canada for say like $40 a month because that's what other people are getting in countries like the US, the UK, Australia. Uh, So that would be the starting point because at the moment we currently don't don't have any unlimited data plans here in Canada. Um, So that would be a really great starting point. And I mean, you're Um, talking $40 a month. There are data plans where if you want five gigabytes, you're looking at over $100 a month. Which is absurd. It is when you say it at 40 bucks a month. Yeah, and in Australia, as as I said, you can get that for $30 a month. Now, do you you think we have any hope? Do we have any hope in this country of, of ever making that happen? Or is the old proverbial horse out of the barn? I definitely think that there's hope, especially as I was saying, as the CRTC is conducted, conducting this comprehensive review of the wireless market. This is like a, our best chance uh, in, in decades to actually introduce more competition to the market and finally see those newer competitors come in and thus lower our cell phone prices. So um, you, so you need what, newer competitors, that's what we need, and more competitors? Is that what you feel we yeah. are lacking so much of in, in the Canadian market? Absolutely. Even a fourth competitor makes uh, such a big difference. When you look at uh, Saskatchewan, they are the they have the lowest population density, and they still have some of the lowest prices. And the reason for that is because they have Saskatel, which is a fourth provider, and it's a crown corporation. 
So it provides competition to the big three, and therefore people are paying the lowest prices uh, in Canada just because of the presence of a fourth competitor. Wow. And you see a very similar case in the U.S., in the U.K., even in Mexico when similar reforms were introduced of allowing more competitors to come into the market. Cell phone prices dropped 44% in five years. So when you ask me if there's hope, absolutely, I think there's hope, but I think that we really need to push hard for this. We need the CRTC to feel the pressure. We need the CRTC to hear people's stories about how they're struggling to pay for their cell phone bills. And uh, then we will hopefully see a change. But we definitely need more competition. Um, Otherwise, we're going to see more of these low-cost data plans that don't really make the cut and nothing's really going to change. We need like a a fundamental change to the system. Marie Aspiazzo joining us, digital rights campaigner for Open Media. Would you recommend people reach out to the CRTC or talk to somebody else? Um, What people can do right now is Open Media is actually running a a campaign um, that's feeding into the CRTC's consultation. So people can go to act.openmedia.org.ca slash break up the big three. I repeat, so act.openmedia.org slash break up the big three. And they can sign our petition, uh, which mainly focuses on affordability, more choice, and better access for uh, wireless consumers. Okay, so we have that here in studio as well, if somebody wants to give us a call, if they couldn't write that down. So let me read it back to you one more time. Act.openmedia.org.ca slash break up the big three. Uh, no, so just act.openmedia.org okay. slash break up the big three. Okay. And if they go to our website, they can, like, openmedia.org. Uh, they will also easily find the petition. Perfect. Okay. Well, we'll see what the landscape looks like. It's uh, It was something that everyone had high hopes for in the way of change. Uh, like you say, it, it maybe hasn't changed enough. Um, how much of it do you think comes down to we get locked on convenience and say, you know, well, I, I had that, so, you know, I, I, I just want I want that convenience more than anything else. What do you mean in terms of convenience, though? I guess with our phone plans, that with you our- would you would have a phone plan that you say, all right, well, instead of scaling back or instead of looking at a lower plan, you would say, well, I still want the same convenience that I've had all along, so I, I don't want to scale back. And, and then you, you kind of are, are had by whoever your provider is. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't think people should have to make any compromises, right? right? We deserve... <laughs> I think, Marie, are you still there? I think we've lost Marie. I don't know what's going on with that landline, but uh, maybe we need to get Marie on her cell phone next time. That is Marie Aspiazzo, digital rights campaigner for Open Media, and we do have that web address if you would like to check out what they have at Open Media in terms of raising voices against what is happening in the cell phone provider world in this country. 519-643-2222. If you want to weigh in, you can always email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. That's Mike at 980cfpl.ca. So when you look around the world, we do pay still some of the highest prices. And as Marie suggests, as much as bringing in one more competitor, and we do have other competitors that are in, but a lot of times you're making use of the infrastructure that's already there that's provided by the other competitors, so you become disadvantaged trying to make use of that service. It's uh, it's quite a fight that we have in a lot of Canada. Saxtel has been around for a while, and maybe that's what ends up helping them out in the long run, that they have that Crown Corporation status 
and that introduces another provider, and then you get that competition, and then prices wind up lowering. Whereas even when you look at some of the new providers or low-cost providers, it doesn't take very much to trace their line back to one of the bigger ones. And as much as it's low-cost, there'll be catches. And as Marie pointed out, along with those catches is the added cost of sometimes the phone itself or you know the added costs that come with that that low package or the the low plan that wind up making it not so low once you add everything up. We are going to take a break. We've got news coming up. And then following news, want to talk a little bit about the Kentucky Derby, another story out of Kitchener that we need to get to. And we will also talk with Pat Powers, the head coach of the London Nationals. The London Nationals have one game remaining this year guaranteed they are playing the waterloo siskins on wednesday night at the sports center at western fair district and they need to have that place packed because they are playing a game seven winner becomes champion that's it that's all that's left so Wednesday night, 7 o'clock at the Sports Center at Western Fair District. London had to win yesterday to force the Game 7. Very similar to 2013 when the London Nationals were coached by Kelly Thompson, who sadly passed away recently. And they wound up winning a Game 6, going to Game 7, and winning the franchise's first Sutherland Cup championship. Let's find a way to put all the bodies that we can into Western Fair Sports Center and make a whole lot of noise for game number seven. So we'll talk with Pat Powers. Lots still to come. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Here's a question regarding phones. We were talking cell phones and as strange as it was, our guest was having a problem with her phone. Now, it wasn't a cell phone. We tried to call on a landline. How many times do landlines mess up like that? Who is their landline provider? We don't know. Uh, there is a scam that is back going. Now, we don't have any reports of this happening in London. We don't even have any reports of it happening in Canada. But it would be so easy for it to take place. And there have been a couple of spots in the United States where this has been reported. It kind of became a popular scam years ago and then faded away. But it's one of those ones that would be active at any time where a number calls your phone and it's not, hey, you've won a cruise. You ever stayed on one of those numbers? They just try and keep passing you along. And you've got to be very, very careful. Now, when they call you, it's one thing. But here's the scam that's popped up again that was popular three years ago. The one ring scam where your phone rings, and the hope is that you won't even notice it, so that when you go back through, you see, oh, hey, somebody called me. And then you call that number, and you're billed as if it is a 900 number by the way that the scammers set things up. So they pocket the money as if they were a 900 number service. Anybody even use a 900 number? What are you getting out of 900 number services? What is that? Is that the phone sex stuff? Is there anything else you could possibly get from a 900 number service? What what exactly would be other options? Who else has a 900 number service? I have no idea. But that's what happens in these particular scams. So you see and you go, oh, who was that that called me? And you hit it and you wait to find out and then you get billed whatever it is, 999, 19, I don't know, whatever it would be. You get billed an amount of money you wish you weren't billed. And that's a scam that's kind of come back in the last little while. There is not a scam 
but an appeal taking place going back to the legendary Kentucky Derby of Saturday. Want to outline what happened there just in case you didn't see it. And it's a story that will continue to follow because it may be where instant replay goes too far or it may be where instant replay does the job and people are not pleased. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Instant replay has become acceptable just about everywhere, right? We've had a very classic instant replay happen here in London. In 2013, Bo Horvat scored a goal with .1 seconds left that if it counted would give the London Knights an OHL championship. If it didn't count, the game was going to go to overtime. And it was reviewed and reviewed and reviewed and... The whole review process took minutes. I'm not even sure what the full count was. Seven and a half minutes? That seems to stick in my mind. Somewhere around there. It took a while. May have been more than seven and a half minutes. And in the end, Kendrick Nicholson, the referee, came away, put his helmet on, did up his chin strap, looked at his fellow referee and said, this town is going to have a good time tonight. And boom, pointed to center ice. So... It has become a fact of life. The NBA spends millions of dollars ensuring that they get the right calls. There is access for them to go from Secaucus, New Jersey, to a table at the scorer's table at any arena in their league at any time just to say, hey, uh, might want to have a look at that, or you have a referee signal when a when a referee twirls his finger in the air, it means I want to take a look at that, and, and they will do that. So there are, are work, or there is work done daily to ensure that the right calls are made. So we've talked about this on London Live in past shows, that if you believe your team is being screwed over, they're not. So stop believing that. Stop yelling at referees. There was uh, a tweet that was made during the game yesterday between the London Nationals and the Waterloo Siskins, and it was somebody wondering why people would go to Junior B games just to scream at length at the referee. It was just getting their own rocks off doing that. I mean, don't. don't just If that's what you do, find a new hobby. Take up woodworking. Buy a saw. Buy a paintbrush. Something. Don't make that your hobby. That makes you a bad person. But when you look back at the Kentucky Derby, if you saw it on the weekend, you had the horses coming around one of the turns and Maximum Security, who ended up winning the race, ended up moving from the inside, what would be the inside lane. Now, of course, on a racetrack for horses, lane markings are not there, but there are lanes, and essentially you can't merge if it's not safe to go. It's like driving. Could you imagine if you tried to merge? You know, when you forget to check your blind spot and you look over and you, you've already started moving over and somebody's going, wah, wah, and they're honking? Yeah, it's kind of like that. So in this case, you had maximum security moving over. And why was that? Don't know. Was the jockey bringing the horse over? Maybe not. The conditions were atrocious. They were horribly wet and horribly muddy. So who knows exactly why the horse was moving over. But there was an instant replay after to see whether or not 
the horse that was impeded or one of the horses that was impeded could have perhaps won the race. And if that was the case, then there would be a disqualification and you would have a different winner. And after a long, long time, it was ruled that, yes, maximum security had cut off one horse and that had impeded the path of a horse by the name of Country House. And that was the horse that wound up winning. In all of this, you had the entire grandstand waiting. You now have an appeal that is going to be filed by the owner of Maximum Security. In essence, they got the right call by rule of thumb. Is that what you're looking for? Is that, is that what makes this okay? Because this truly was a judgment call. You don't know necessarily whether Country House would have won the race. You can't put this through some kind of simulation and say, okay, well, if this horse had stayed in this lane at this speed, then this horse would not have, or definitely would not have won the race. And if this horse was impeded in the way it was, well, if that hadn't happened, then this horse would have won the race. You can't do that. Maybe in the future we can. Maybe we'll have technology to the point where you could say, okay, well, here's the simulation of the way the race would have played out. In this case, it was a judgment call, and maximum security ended up being disqualified. In all, you could call it a victory for instant replay. But it was still a judgment call in all of this. There was still a judgment call to be made. There have been appeals like this in the past, but now they've got five screens to look at. They're rolling it back, and they're trying to determine what could have happened. And maybe that is the real issue for the Kentucky Derby, trying or any horse race, trying to determine what could have happened in this as opposed to just saying, okay, well, here are the rules. You can't move from this lane to this lane if you do not have the clearance to do so. This is trying to determine, could Country House have won this race? And it was interesting to watch it play out. It left you on the edge of your seat. Instant replay always does. People can complain all they want about instant replay. In the end, you get an opportunity, in this case, to make a a right judgment call, and they did. And you have a new winner. Is it pretty? Is it tied up in a bow? Absolutely not. But that's what instant replay brings. You have to wait for it. Sometimes you celebrate twice. Sometimes you celebrate once and then feel defeat the next time around. That's what happened this time around. But in our world, you have to have this. There is no way to do this any other way. And so the Kentucky Derby, as messy as it was on the track, as messy as the finish was, this was the right thing to do. Now we'll wait and see what this appeal winds up bringing because the owner has already said the horse will not run in the next of the Triple Crown, which is the Preakness. And there is an appeal being, but what are you getting out of this in the end? Like Bob and Andy had referred to earlier in the show, eventually when time passes by, it's it's not worth it. It's like, I always feel for the athletes who wind up winning after somebody is disqualified months later based on a positive drug test from the Olympics. You've got athletes that spent months feeling like they'd finished fourth or third or second, and then all of a sudden, hey, guess what? This is what you got instead. Hooray. It's unfortunate that you can't have things happen immediately. Um, This appeal process, I don't know what it'll amount to, but we'll follow it because it's been an interesting story so far, going back to Saturday evening and 
the running of the Kentucky Derby. On Wednesday evening, we've got something big happening in London, Ontario. Game 7, London Nationals, Waterloo Siskins, winner take all. Winner wins the Sutherland Cup. And this has been a difficult series for London to play because they have been chasing. But you know what? They have chased right back to a 3-3 tie. Their head coach is Pat Powers and joins us now. Pat, congratulations on making a Game 7 even happen. Thank you very much. Uh, the guys definitely dug in. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you won yesterday in overtime. There have been, in the last couple of games, what would appear to be convincing victories, 5-2 one way, and then 5-1 for you yesterday. Were they games that were, were that far apart in feel, or was that just on the scoreboard? Uh, that was just on the scoreboard, really. I mean, we, you have two uh, very offensive teams that kind of go at it, and, and uh, it just kind of seems whoever whoever kind of catches the breaks at the right times are, are the ones that score goals. So um, it definitely has not been uh, – um, I, I mean, it, it's close in games, and, and that's exactly the way the series has been. Definitely uh, not indicative of what the scores have been in some of the games. Both teams have been able to win in the other team's building, but having a Game 7 on home ice, how do your players refer to the crowd like what you saw the last time you played at home where you had over 1,000 people there? What does that do for them? Oh, it definitely energizes them. It definitely uh, gives them that idea that uh, everything they've worked for has has finally gotten noticed, and uh, just like I said, energizes the guys, motivates them uh, uh, to be successful in front of their home fans. And and for our fans that travel from Waterloo, uh, obviously they want to quiet those groups, uh, those groups that come from from Waterloo. So um, it, it it definitely kind of uh, motivates the group well, um, pushes them on to to achieve maybe bigger, better things. Pat Powers, head coach of the London Nationals, joining us. Write it down, 7 o'clock, Wednesday evening, Game 7 at the Sports Centre at Western Fair District between the London Nationals and the Waterloo Siskins. The winner will hoist the Sutherland Cup. This is a long process, Pat. This is a long, <laughs> long run. What's it been like to go through it? I mean, it's been great. You you, you kind of start off, and, and I mean, kind of looking at the way things kind of uh, go holistically in a season, uh, May – uh, May 11th and May 12th this weekend is our is our rookie camp for next year, right? So we're we're playing right to Wednesday, uh, May 8th, and then we're we're getting started on uh, on May 12th for next year. So um, it, it's definitely turned into uh, to a year round process, and uh, I mean that's uh, that's a sign of a of a successful program when you're uh, when you're playing deep in the playoffs. And uh, I mean we've, we've played more than more than a half of a uh, half more of a regular season. So uh, it's exciting. The the guys definitely get, you get to the point of no return where um, anything less than a, than a championship is a failure. You have played six games. Each of you has won three games. Could you play sixty games and be tied thirty thirty right now? That's uh, that's a, that's an interesting uh, interesting idea. I, I, I definitely could see it. I mean, we we both have mature teams. We have veteran teams, and um, we have teams that uh, we can play. Uh, we can both play gritty games. We can play skill games, up tempo, whatever, and uh, uh, two good power plays, two good penalty kills. So we're, we're two very evenly matched teams and. I could definitely see that happening. Um, we obviously hope that uh, when everything ends, that we're up one game. In terms of experience, sometimes that can matter so much. If you've been in a scenario before where it is kind of winner-take-all, and you've been in some in some basically winner-take-all games in order to keep on going so far in the playoffs, but in a, in a game like that, how is your experience level in your room? How do you feel the guys will react? Uh, I mean, they'll be good. They they were definitely excited about the challenge yesterday with the back and wall, and and uh, I mean, as much as we have an opportunity to uh, 
um, to win a championship on, on Wednesday, our backs are still against the wall because there, there is no tomorrow. So uh, we've definitely performed uh, very well in, in our game yesterday with our back against the wall. And, and we just want the guys to go and have fun and, and enjoy the moment. And uh, I, I think if we have fun and, and we enjoy the moment, uh, we're not playing full of stress and, and full of anxiety. And, and we're able to kind of let it all hang out and, and perform our best. How do you communicate that to the players where as stressful as this is, hey, there, there is no tomorrow, there is every cliche in the book, but go out and enjoy this because you have this experience. Nobody gets this. This, this is rare. Well, it, it is exactly what I said to them yesterday. I, I, like, I don't want them thinking about what if, what if, what if. I, I just want them to live in the moment and, and enjoy that process. Uh, we've worked uh, almost a full calendar year to, to kind of get where we are and, and we deserve to be here and and uh, there's no use stressing about it. We just got to kind of look in front of us and, and do what we can to be successful. And um, there's no use looking back at, at lost uh, opportunities throughout uh, throughout this series. Uh, we just got to look ahead and, and, like I said, enjoy it. And just got to let it all hang out. And, and uh, uh, the best team will win, and, 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 and the chips will, will fall where they may. Nothing beats it. One game for a championship, and it happens in London. So any London fans can be there Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, London and Waterloo, and the winner hoists the Sutherland Cup. Pat, go get it. Best of luck. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That is Pat Powers. He is the head coach of the London Nationals. So it comes down to one. Grab your tickets now to ensure that you are there because eventually the fire marshal cuts this one off. You can't hang from rafters like you used to in the old days. And did people actually do that? Has anyone ever watched a hockey game or any other game where you were the person hanging from the rafters? That's always something that's talked about. Oh, they were hanging from the rafters. Have you ever talked to somebody who was actually hanging from the rafters, I don't see that happening, but maybe it's just that figure of speech. We'll close out the show next. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFBL. Before we go, an update on a story we talked about a couple of weeks ago on London Live, and that is ending the handshake. Remember we talked about this in the UK? There is some discussion about ending the handshake, and it was picked up, and maybe this is why it ran through the UK so much, it was picked up by the British tabloids, but what they had done is is surveyed 2,000 adults, and they had reports from HR firms, and they said, yeah, yeah, this has to go because of the risk of transferring all kinds of microorganisms. And the other thing that has come out in the last little while from this is that, you know what, maybe maybe this is a little different than transferring germs. This isn't about germs. That if businesses are looking to do this, it's more about reducing the risk of sexual harassment claims. In fact, there was a professor by the name of Nigel Brown who is one of the world's leading molecular microbiologists and is actually a past president of the Microbiology Society. And somebody actually asked him, saying, hey, how much in the way of microorganisms are transferred in a handshake? And he said, well, there's the joke about, you know, microbiologists will only use public toilets by sliding their hand inside their jacket sleeve. He says, no, it's, it's, it's not quite 
that. It's it's not quite that extensive. And what he says is that you're sure you could come in contact with something, but even he points to the fact that this is probably more about sexual harassment than it is sending germ from person to person. Don't we need more transfer of germs? Doesn't that help you to fight things off? I've often thought when you have a child like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, wait a little while and then go outside, roll the child around in the dirt, let them pick up some stuff, strengthen that immune system. I'm not a microbiologist, though, so don't do that unless you're instructed to do so by your family doctor. We're out of time. Thanks to Matt McKinnis for his help. London Live brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln 680, Warncliffe Road South. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.